everybody. It's time for the Everybody Counts podcast. Yeah. We're we're at the end. It's we're talking about episode 10 of season 4 tonight, mm-hmm. the finale episode. So, it's going to be exciting to find out how things are resolved, but it's also hard cuz, you know, now we got to wait for season yep. 5. But we will hang in there together as a group and stay excited about all the good things that must be going on in the writer's room now That's for right. season five. And then filming will be starting up. And before you know it, Bosch season five will be here. Yes. Um, but right now who's here is Jay, a.k.a. What's up, everybody? Oliver B. Titus III. I, it's still not rolling off the tongue, Jay. I'm I don't trying know why. To, I I mean, it's a lot of syllables. I've said that before. I'm going to have uh, to legally change my name so you get this right. Okay, so I still have to practice more. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And Officer Pete is in the house with us. What's up, Pete? That rolls off the tongue just fine, I must say. It does. That that rolls (laughs) off the tongue fine. And (sighs) Captain Trey, Tracy, yours truly, is here. And I just, Mm -hmm. I need to pause for the record for the record, because it's official, you Uh-oh. know, we're talking about a, a police detective-related podcast. Um, just as a reminder that I'm the only one who received a nickname from someone on the show. You guys came up with some great nicknames, but Dewan gave me my nickname, and he promoted me within the podcast hour that he was with us. So in a matter of like 15 minutes, I went from lieutenant to Captain Trey. So, I mean, I just think for the record... For posterity, that's good information to document. Would you agree? Uh, Pete, did you hear any of that? I, there was some <laughs> kind of audio issue thing. I have no idea what she just said. I, yeah. um, she, I, Tracy, are you here? Tracy, hello? <laughs> she was saying something about how she rose so far up that she can't possibly go further, but someone who's in an officer position yeah. can jump up pretty far in season five. That's what I heard. Oh, okay. That's the, that's the your spin on it. Okay, Officer Pete. All right. Well, we got a lot of um, good stuff to unpack. Yes. Um, some crime solving going on at its best in uh, episode ten, and the title of the episode is "Book of the Unclaimed Dead," and of course that refers to um, Harry's mom being in that actual book that the city maintains of the unclaimed dead. So he eventually found her gravesite and is able to go there and honor her. But um, yeah, it's, it's a tough scene and it's tough for Maddie when they go to visit um, her, her gravesite. Um, It's, it's sad to think how she got there um, of course, but uh, at least they're there and they know where she is. So we're going to talk about the episode kind of in terms of who had the last word, because I was kind of thinking through a lot of folks, a lot of characters had the last word on something, so to speak in this episode, for instance, um, Irving and the mayor, Irving Mm -hmm. kind of had the last word, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot. We're going to kind of make a list here of, of, of ones that we're going to hit. So we've got Irving and the mayor. Irving got the last word. Give me another one. Who else got the last word on something? Uh, how about Robinson, Robertson and Drake? He took mine. Ah, uh, he Sorry. took yours. Okay. Sorry, dude. Sorry. All right. Hey, Michael Harris is going to finally have the truth and the last word on what went down in that bathroom. 
Um, oh, true story. True story. Mm-hmm. All right. Story. Somebody else give me one. I have one, but one. I don't like it. I have one, but I don't like it. Do I have to okay, say you gotta, it? Okay, you got to share it anyway. Jay Edgar and his poor wife, she got the last uh, yes. word in not a good way. Yeah, you're right. That's on the list, too. Okay. Um, you got one for me, Pete? Um, <laughs> did we say Harry and Walker yet? <laughs> no, we didn't. That's a big one. That's I'll a big take, one. I'm gonna add. One. I'm gonna add Harry and Griffin. It's not completely yeah. resolved, but yeah. he, he definitely yeah. um, got a good word in there. Um, and I would say even um, Maddie and Harry, in regards to Eleanor, not like they're you know one upping with the last word, but they they got some type of resolution with how they were going to lay her to rest and and um, and that kind of thing. It was a very gripping, emotional scene. So um, let's let's work our way through some of those as a way of sort of reviewing the episode before we get into some of our segments. And then we have an exciting recap. I'm sorry, debrief <laughs> this week <laughs> with real RHD detectives, Mitzi Roberts and Tim Marsha. They are partners and they gave us some fascinating intel about the show, about their careers, even a few hints and uh, inside information about some of the actors on the show. They just, they, they know it all. So yeah, they were, we're awesome. Get, yeah. We're going to get some great scoop from them. So um, somebody pick one of those from our list, and um, who do we want to hit up first? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the one I don't like first. To get that okay. out of the way. Yeah, let's get that out of the way. Let's get the the uncomfortable, sad one out of the way. Um, and, and and it happened early in the episode, if I remember correctly, too. Yeah, uh, it did. You know, uh, Jay Edgar, Mister optimistic and feeling positive about things and uh, what was he there to pick up the kids or or he he couldn't he was supposed to and couldn't yeah Yeah, i'm not going to be able to take the kids but i'll be back tonight uh, right and and uh god in in like no uncertain terms she's just like whatever you think this is isn't and i'm happy the way things are and we're not even together like what Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did you just say? And of course, he is not of the same feeling um, where he thought things were progressing well. I thought things were progressing pretty well. Um, yeah. And oh, and oh, she even made like a nasty comment, like, uh, what did she say? Like, that's why you cheated well, she, on me. Well, he said like, what, yeah. what kind of family yeah. is that if they don't actually proceed and move into the same house yeah. together and all that? He's like, what kind of family is that? And she's like, well, yeah. what kind of family was it when you Brutal. messed around? Yeah, and um, she she did apologize, but I mean they I mean obviously he did mess up, but that was a that was a pretty tough jab as well. Um, wasn't necessarily productive in the conversation, I guess. But yeah, that was that was hard, and Jerry just kind of I mean he 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 kind of it looks like he kind of accepts it. I don't know what's really going on in his head or his heart, you know. But yeah, he's a tougher man than I. Tougher man than I. He doesn't fight her on it, like, or try to change her mind. And, and it, what was interesting to me, too, um, is that she said, even if you weren't a police officer, it's not just about the your job. Even right. if you didn't have the job, um, it, it would still be this way. So, yeah, that was tough. And I don't know exactly where it's going to go. I don't know whether to think um, that that's going to have some finale, finality 
sort of to it or if things could still go in another direction? What are you thinking, Pete? Do you think there's... Well, I have a lot of thoughts on the subject because I'm a Jay Egger guy. Um, when she saw him looking at the laptop when he wasn't uh-huh. supposed to be, I feel like that was it. That was it. She already she checked out, so to speak, at that point, I feel, in their relationship. Okay. Um, I think that that's a flaw in, in Jay Egger because he was like, I'll quit. If you were going to quit, then why don't, you, why don't you just take your pension when you got shot that they said you were going to mm-hmm. be, you know, you'll be well off for the rest of your life. And now you're going to work for two months to six months and then quit again and then get, you know, not get the same benefits. Like, it just right. seems like he, he was scattered with it. Um, I like to see where they go forward, but I don't know. It's hard to climb out from that because I feel like she meant that because if he's dedicated to his police work like that, if he was doing any other job, would he still mm-hmm. not be fully in tune with the family and always half, half off? at his job or whatever else it is that, that interests him. He was yeah, never fully checked in. So therefore she, she knows that and it's not going to change at this point. So she's just like, I'm checking out before you half check in. I, and she told I, him I not to bring it into the house. And then he probably felt like, well, it's at night. The boys are in bed. I'm just working on some of my own. But she, she was like, no, I said, don't bring it in the house, period. So it's kind of like they were differing on what the rules were and, you know, where the boundaries were. So, yeah, it's kind of messy, but you, obviously there's still a lot of love there, and so I guess we can hold on to that, but it, that also makes it even more heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see if, if the relationship um, is explored more at all in the, the coming season or not. Um, all right, who do we want to hit up next? We've got Harry and Walker, Harry and Griffin, Irving and the Mayor, uh, Robertson and Drake. Can I can Michael I go Harris. again? Can I go again? Yeah, I go sure. Again? <laughs> that had to go twice rolling. in a row. Uh, I I really want to talk about Irving and the mayor. I really, 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 really want to talk. Let's do because it because that is one of my favorite favorite scenes in the episode. So how about the uh, season? That's one yeah, of my favorite yeah, yes, parts of yes. the season, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, you have the mayor who I have come to feel is. Kind of a scumbag. Sorry, dude. Um, but I do. Um, who believes he's going to get this righteous photo op and this is going to be so great for him yeah. only that. Guess what, sucker? It's not. And mm-hmm. and Irving, just just pure genius. And, yeah. uh, and Lance Reddick just pulls it off 100%. Tells mm-hmm. the driver to pull up next to him. Um, pulls up the car next to him. Rolls down the window. The mayor looks over, and 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 our chief just—it's not <laughs> even really a glare. It's just a look of like yeah. you should have never messed with me. And yep. it's only like I don't even know, maybe not even five seconds. And he just uh, yeah, rolls up the so. window and drives off, like the most amazing, <laughs> powerful statement. In a total of ten seconds, without having to say <laughs> one word, it's just so uh, yeah, so amazingly executed because it's the window down, the head he's watching, yeah. then the head turn, then the window up. Oh. I mean, it's just it's just awesome. So, and yeah, I, I want to point yeah. out that that Irving has had a good woman in his corner this season yes. with yes. June. She has had a lot yes. to do with laying these plans and and. And executing this as well. So we got to give props to June 
for her involvement as well. But yeah, yes. it's just it's just awesome, absolutely awesome. Now, what about? Um, did you notice that at one point when Irving receives a call during the episode, he looks like he's kind of working on an org chart. Did you guys notice that? Like he's kind of moving some post-its or something around, and it, it oh looks yeah, like an, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that look like an org chart to you? Like he's setting up I, how he's going to make changes. I wondered what that was, and I actually, my initial thought was that it was some kind of calendar of events for himself. Um, oh. But uh, mm-hmm. that could be too. I did not consider that as like a personnel kind of thing. But you could be correct. I want to go back and see that now. I'll check that out now. Okay. Because because honest honest answer, I was checking the color of the post-it notes in case somebody asked about it at the end of this <laughs> darn <trivia>. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I've got I've got some really interesting notes on my paper too for for possible trivia. All right, um, Officer Pete, why don't you pick our next uh, category for the last word? Uh, can... Let's go. Let's go, Griffin and Bosch. Yeah, let's do it. All right, we'll set us up. Um, Griffin, I kind of defended him, and he turned out to be a total tool. And now I'm just like, damn, I shouldn't have defended him. <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, he, he, he totally he totally messed up this whole thing. I mean, we didn't know in the beginning how bad it was. So, you know, when, when he's sitting there telling Boss, like, oh, she did it. He, Eleanor, you know, died for our country, neutralizing a foreign threat, blah, blah, blah. Boss cracks him. And he cracked him yeah. twice. It wasn't even once. It was a double shot. And I wouldn't want to get hit with Boss once by Boss once. And he got hit uh-huh. with, like, a double, boom, boom. And I was yeah. like, that's a tough one. And then And then he let him go. And I was like, there's no way. I was like, no way. Not in front of all his FBI goons. There's no way he lets him go. But then we find out that he uploaded the picture and he said, what did he say? Poked a hornet's nest to see what flew out. Basically, yeah. he yeah. shot it up yeah. there. So uh-huh. they would tell this guy, like, you need to get rid of the witness now, which led to, I guess, Eleanor was the witness, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he passed that. There's phone logs showing that he passed that on to someone in China that uh, then, you know, moved it up the chain and then resulted in that retaliation, uh, which – Eleanor was was the victim of so yeah he's got some pretty good evidence and um, so this is a good time to bring up too I missed this um, I don't know if you guys noticed it um, our eagle-eyed fan at sister teacher on Twitter um, helped me figure I thought that Bosch swiped the phone in the scuffle you know when he punches Griffin but if you go back and rewatch she pointed out to me that you see you see J Edgar a couple steps behind um, Griffin, and as he's punching and falling back, he gets the phone and slips it into his pocket. Um, so Jay Edgar's actually the one that. Uh, yeah. You know what? So, I want to speak on that for a second because I did notice it, but okay. I, when I, I read the recap, but I also noticed it, but I didn't notice it was a phone. I thought Jay Edgar had his gun out because they were doing like a thing, and then went to put his gun away because he saw the fight and didn't want to have his service weapon out during a fight. Because he knew he was going to break it up. So I didn't even know it was a phone. It was really quick. It was. And I and I kinda, even when I rewatched it, I was like, is that the phone or the gun? Um, I, I kind of wondered that too, Pete. So let's, let's okay, let's make a vote. What do, we, what do we think that he was the one that grabbed the phone? Yeah, Maybe he put it the gun. Okay. Maybe he put it underneath the gun so you couldn't see it and nobody else can see it. And it looks like he put the gun away. He was putting the phone away. Okay, another question. Did it look like the phone kind of fell out and he took advantage of the situation and grabbed it, or do you think it was planned? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't uh, 
man, I don't think that I remember seeing anything where it fell out or him reaching over. I felt like he took advantage of the situation and grabbed it. Okay. It just looked kind of like it was falling to me. Like, and then he kind of like, oh, caught it and then, you know, put it away. But yeah, so yeah. I'm going to say he stole it. I'm going to say he stole it. I'm going to say he okay. took it. I'm say it was a plan. They didn't show us the plan, but Bosch and, okay. and Jagger are brothers, and this is more important than okay. and this is personal. So I feel like they would plan something like that because they're really good at planning stuff that nobody else knows about if you, you know, right. the Bosch. So they're and they're they can plan. And they can plan things really well without a lot of words. Like they know each other so well. So yes. I'm, 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 I'm leaning that way too, Pete. So, um, but yeah, so they, they got that phone together and they gave it to Chuck and uh, they kind of got the last word there on Griffin. It's going to make a difference. It's going to um, reveal some of his activities. So, and I did also notice again that um, the actor who plays Griffin is really tall. <laughs> you guys have brought that up before. I was like, man, that dude is really tall. <laughs> All right. What's next? Let's talk about. All right. Let's talk about Robertson and Drake. Who wants to talk about that? Why don't you talk about one girl? You can talk too. Okay. We'll let you. Okay. At least one. Um, yeah. So. Robertson uh, has a meeting with a lieutenant at the Newton Division or Bureau, I'm not sure which it's called, um, where he wants to transfer. It's kind of like a little bit of a, you know, a, a casual interview, and they talk about a start date, and he tells him that he had this glowing recommendation, and Robertson assumes that it was Billets that wrote that for him, and then he learns it's Terry Drake. Hmm. And he goes and makes a visit to Terry, and they, they like the food trucks. They like the Mexican food. I don't know if it's burritos or tacos, but Terry always seems to have tamales. <laughs> oh yeah, is it tamales? I think yeah, it's tamales or some along those lines. So he's just happy. They're sharing some food, and Robertson. Uh, they talk a little bit about the past, and if you know what, why did he? They talk about how um, Robertson uh, covered kind of for mm-hmm. Terry at Rampart. And we don't know exactly mm-hmm. what went on down there, but it sounds right. like Terry flipped, they said, and like you know, kind of ratted on some officers. And he didn't have – he had a clean conscience with that, he said, because they were bad cops. Well, what did Robertson cover for Terry is, you know, was he also a dirty cop? Well, we know we know more about that now. Um, but, he, you know, he, he says – he tells it. He tells Robertson that he thinks you know a man's character is important, you know, and he's basically like praising him for covering for him, I guess. And uh, then Robertson slips it in there that they had that video footage of what went down in the bathroom with Michael Harris and the torture, and uh, that he knows. And what can Drake say? Nothing. He's he that just pretty much shuts down yeah. the conversation there. That's right. Silence. So, you know, all this talk about character and, um, you know, he had a clean conscience because they were dirty cops. And now he knows that his friend uh, knows exactly what he did in that situation. So, um, you know, they just just the discussion about Sheehan and and how, oh, yeah, he made a mistake. And now, you know, he's going to have to deal with her where everybody didn't kill Elias. You know, all this time just continuing to lie and, 
you know, act like he wasn't involved at all. And then Robertson just lets him know that he's got his number. So, yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting the way that, that, that scene ended, and it, it was just silence. You know, I mean, what what could he possibly – he had no more no more lies, no more arguments, no more uh, – yep, that's just it. nothing. You know, that was really the last word, like literally, <laughs> that Robertson <laughs> had with him. So was that um, satisfying for you all to see that exchange? Uh, how did you feel about it? Yes, yes. I was happy to see it. Happy to see it. Uh, and I was happy to see it, too, because I felt like that gave Robertson some closure, too. Mm-hmm. Um, almost some vindication as well. And then, you know, Terry Drake for 10 episodes now, he just knew something was up and he was shady. And and so to have him finally be put in his place, and rightfully yeah. so, it felt good for me as the viewer. Like, yes, like this guy's not going to get away with this nonsense. Right. You know, it and was really... It's not only that he was getting away with it, but he kept trying to manipulate the investigation. You know, he was like a, you know, a puppeteer or whatever. He kept, you know, he tried to sneak in to the task force room and, you know, he talked to the guys, to Rooker and, and she, and he was trying to kind of mastermind how they would respond and what they would say. And he would lock it down. You know, he just kept trying to, he wasn't just hiding the truth. He was also trying to manipulate the case and, that, that you know that just shut him down completely. So that was satisfying for me in that regard. It's like no, you mm-hmm. can't keep mm-hmm. stirring the pot here. And yeah, so all right. Anything else from you on that, Pete? Or do you want to move on to the next one? I was just happy to see Robinson finally give Drake his due. I mean, I hope yeah. next season we get to see a little bit more of him in handcuffs, possibly, and you mm-hmm. know maybe Robinson visits him, and you know something happens, but. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad that all these guys who I know were clowns the whole time are going down. I love this <laughs> yeah. show. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. You know? That's it. <laughs> there you go. That's enough said. All right, let's talk a little bit about Michael Harris um, and Harry bringing the the, uh, mm. the tape, mm. the card uh, to is it Alex Kaplan, who was uh, yeah. Howard's associate attorney. So he's now handling Michael Harris's case. And I mean... This is going to lock that down for sure, just like it was, yeah. you know, going to originally yeah. with Howard. Um, so it, to me, it's very good to know that that evidence is in the in the right hands. And um, I thought it was some interesting conversation about how yes. money is not not going to change uh-huh. what happened. It's not going to uh-huh. correct things. It's not going to remedy the situation. But you know, Bosch says maybe it will help. You know, and just justice and just the truth. Maybe that will help a little bit to to yeah. you know to get the truth finally out there um, with clear concrete evidence. Um, so I'm glad that that Michael Harris is getting the last word in that regard for sure. Um, and it was excruciating. You could tell it was excruciating for Bosch to watch that footage. Mm-hmm. And we sort of saw it in Michael's flashback when he was telling the story early on in the season, and that was very hard to watch and listen to and think about. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I think it's good that the show handled that really carefully and just, and, and reminded people how serious that was, you yeah. know, 
It wasn't yeah. like he just watched it. And, oh, it, oh, mm-hmm. Drake's there too. We got the evidence. You know, it, the emotional part of it was present as well, and the you know, the seriousness yeah. and the heaviness of it all. So, but what about the exchange with um, Honey Chandler and Bosch? She uh, she kind of gives him props and and says, "Hmm, you're not exactly who I you know, thought you were." You know. You know what that was. You know what that was? That was an apology wrapped okay. in a compliment. Mm-hmm. That's what I yeah. felt. Because, you know, we know the history there. And if you know the history, you're like, wow, like, next season, these two are going to work together on a major case, I feel. I'm just calling that out. I'm throwing that out there right now. I just thought Okay, throwing that out there. <laughs> now, he did straight up lie to her and tell her that he didn't watch the video. But she probably right. doesn't believe that anyway. Right. You know, she, she, she probably knows that he did. But he also gave her props when he says, you need to work around this special master assignment so that you can get on and be second chair with, um, right. with Kaplan. You know, so they both in their sort of weird ways, you know, or or not so blatant ways kind of gave each other props. And uh, it was almost like saying good working with you, you know, or whatever um, in their own sort of way. And I do think that's a they're a very interesting dynamic. And I do hope to see more of them interacting um, in future seasons. If you watch the X-ray, um, the behind the scenes and the writer's room. Um, interviews and stuff on Amazon Prime, um, you will see uh, Michael Conley talking about how he, um, spoiler alert, um, kills Honey Chandler off in the book series early on. And he he says, talks about how it's exciting to have her alive and see this, you know, interaction and this relationship. And he likes exploring it. You know, he couldn't do that in the books anymore, but now there's an opportunity to explore that some more in the TV show, so I think they make a good, a good, uh, good sparring partners for sure. So, all right, we're getting close to the big ones. Yeah. I think it's time we talk about Harry and Walker. Mm. Go for it, Jay. Mm. I have so many things I want to say about that. Well, <laughs> uh, you know. Walker, the big bad man that he believes himself to be, and and Harry, you know, finally figuring out the plan of action to get it all taken care of, getting the getting the phone to text him the the nonsense. Hey, there's going to mm-hmm. be a search in the tunnels and blah blah blah, and knowing yeah. that he will head there, and Harry just setting him up, and what a what a tense bunch of moments. As they're oh, yeah. in the tunnels, and you know it's about to come to a head, and of course it does come to a head. And uh, man, there's so many different things or ways to describe this whole thing. But Harry really, I, this you know, tells him this is it, and Walker is kind of egging him on to, "Why don't you just kill me? I know that's what you want to do." Oh yeah, he's he's taunting him yeah. for sure. Uh, you know, as this conversation plays on and then Walker again, who thinks he's the man decides to play slickness and smash his flashlight and take a shot at Harry. And, but Harry's smarter than that. And of course comes back around and he's got him and yeah. uh, uh, has him down and ultimately has him confess to everything. And of course, Jay Egger being the astute detective that he is, Knew mm-hmm. or found out where Harry was. Thanks, Maddie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and heard the whole thing. And heard yep. the whole thing. And 
you know, the thing about this whole scene for me is uh, we knew he did it. We knew this guy was a jerk. Um, and he admits to everything, to everything, yeah. including Harry's mm-hmm. mother. And all yeah. again, what, egging him on and pushing him and prodding him. And props to Harry Bosch for not shooting the guy in the head. Because yeah. I'm not sure that I have the self-control that Bosch displayed here. Mm-hmm. Knowing mm-hmm. that there's trials still to come and things could slip through and maybe... Maybe his mother's murder never even comes up, and it's only Elias that maybe gets him nailed, whatever. But he does the correct thing. He does allow mm-hmm. justice to be served. He is arrested. He does have J. Edgar there for backup and as a witness. And yep. Bosch gets to walk away, I think hurt, I think vindicated, and I hope somewhere a little bit of happiness and closure. Uh, yeah. But very, very, very tense, very, very emotional. And he, he makes it very clear that, I mean, as painful as it is, it's not like, oh, it's a victory, Bosch wins. But he got what right. he needed, and he made that very clear to Walker. Oh, no, this isn't about me and revenge and what you're going to get. I mean, you're going to get your due <laughs> regardless. But he just needed to know. He needed to put it to rest. He needed to know the truth. He needed to hear it. And um, he needed to solve his mom's murder, you know, and he did. And um and you're right. Those fingerprints are all over that weapon, and uh, mm-hmm. he will he will get his due. So and yeah, J. Edgar. Oh my gosh, such a hero. Gotta yes, love he that is. guy. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and, and what a great, you know, it wasn't the final scene of the episode, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But what a great ending with the two of them compared to last season. You yeah. know. Their last conversation at the last at last season was, "Are we going to really be partners again? I don't know yeah. if I want to be partners yeah. with you." And we're all just like, "Oh no, come on, let's work it out, let's make this happen." And it was just solid there at the end. They truly have each other's backs. So, all right, we can't put it off any longer. We need to talk about that really, really emotional scene and yeah. music at the very end. Oh. They spread Eleanor's ashes out at Borrego Springs. It's a brief scene, you know. It's not long. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't linger long. But the music, oh my gosh, is just you know, really gets it's you the, in the, the whole feels. thing. The music, yeah. the setting, the actors, mm-hmm. uh, yep. time of day, even. I mean, the whole yeah, it's thing. sunset, it's sunset, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just. If that's not a way to end a show, I don't know what is. Now, let me tell you something else that's interesting. I did not put this in my interview with Sarah Clark, who plays Eleanor Wish. Um, I did mention that she was, um, that she did shadow Ernest Dickerson on an episode, but I don't think we we said that it was the finale episode um, because you never know. I, I didn't know what that meant, and so I didn't want to specify time frames. You never want to say someone's directing or someone's watching, or are you in the episode? You because know, you don't want to right. potentially spoil something. So, well, it turns out she, you know, her character was not alive any longer when she was uh, shadowing him, and so I just it like now thinking about that that she was so much involved in that final mm-hmm. episode. Um, and and that with that scene, I mean that just kind of ties it together even more that she was she was Doesn't there, 
yeah. on set and and was involved in that and this just makes it even more full circle for me and more emotional um right. and we've got you know in our debrief coming up we've got some uh interesting trivia about that scene um and the music so definitely keep your ears open um cuz there's an interesting tidbit that one of our detectives has to share with us about mm-hmm. how that um, mm-hmm. scene came together. So, I mean, that was, I think that was the perfect ending to yeah. the season. Um, yes. Yeah. So well, what are your I was going to actually, I was going to bring that up um, in mm-hmm. a couple of minutes, but I'll bring it up now. I watch okay. a lot of TV shows and I've watched a lot of seasons and I feel like that <laughs> might've been the, the most complete, season finale I have ever seen it, it it took it answered all my questions it closed a lot of uh-huh. stories and the end yeah. was just beautiful and perfect and I I I'm, I don't got no more words and that's hard yeah <laughs> it was it was so so well done so well done all right well we um we probably have time for each of us to do one question in the interrogation room if you have one I'm going to start off because I'm curious about this um do you think that Robertson will take that job with Newton a D3 in Newton? Excellent question. Excellent question. <laughs> um, and I, I want to say no. Okay. I want to say no. I think right. uh, he harbors some regrets with the whole Terry Drake thing. I mm-hmm. think um, how everything went down with the entire investigation of Elias I feel like he's going to say maybe he's not quite worthy yet because maybe he'll harbor some feelings from the past um, and has some things maybe even to prove to himself before he takes it. Okay. Hmm. How about you, Pete? I'm going to say he doesn't have the option to say no because, you know, Drake kind of did it, I feel like, a favor for a favor. And now that mm-hmm. Drake is going down for at least, you know, part of Black Guardian, you know, helping mm-hmm. out of Black Guardian – uh-huh. I don't. I don't think that his credibility is going to stand up, and I also think that if they did move Robinson, it would really take away the the aspect that we get from Pierce and Robinson being a, a partnership that could yeah. probably give Edgar and Bosch a run for their money at this point. I feel. It, All right. It's yeah. Up. It, it's so time. you think it's, that you think the offer could maybe even be rescinded? Yes, I don't think he has an option. I okay. Think okay. They're going to pull okay. it. Okay, well, I'm I'm in it with both of you guys for for different reasons. I definitely want to see more Bosch. I mean, sorry. I de- well, I do want to see more Bosch, <laughs> but I want to see more Robertson and Pierce together. I'm with you there, Pete. And um, I think uh, sort of what you were saying, Jay. I, I just wonder if the whole recommendation and stuff from Drake kind of tarnishes mm-hmm. the offer. For him, you well, know, it, even if, yeah, even if it doesn't tarnish it, where maybe it gets rescinded, I think it tarnishes I mean, personally his wanting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. what I meant for him personally. Yeah. Like mm, this is yeah. not the way, you know, right. I wanted this. Right. Um, right. So okay. Well, thanks for your feedback. Do either of you guys have a question for the interrogation room? I do have a question, and I have a good one. So I'm gonna have to jump Jay here. I'm sorry, Jay. <laughs> it's, it's good, <laughs> brother. Roll with it. Okay. Um, in the scene when Bosch is talking to Walker, and we're all sitting there saying he might shoot him. Because we all thought it's a possibility at that point in the shit. And we know Bosch. It was a possibility. And Jay Edgar was kind of hovering in the background. Now, I was trying to figure out why he was hovering and wasn't making himself clear during the scene. And all I could think to myself is, if Bosch shoots Bradley Walker right now, does Jay Edgar, is he hovering enough this way he could say, I didn't see it. I just heard shots. I don't know what happened. So he can cover for Bosch? Or would he have said Harry, took, Harry pulled the trigger? Would he have covered for Bosch is my question. 
I think it took enormous strength for Harry to show that restraint, but I never think Harry would would go through with that and shoot him. I just don't think that's Harry. Um, I, I don't think that would that would tarnish, you know, his mother's memory, I think. You know, he's all about the truth and justice. It's not it's not as much revenge with him. I just think Harry's, you know, I just flat out think he's better than that. So I think if anything, J. Edgar was waiting for him to get his peace and get mm-hmm. what he needed to, you know, he kind of, when he finished the conversation said, oh, it's okay. I know. Now I know. He, I think he was just letting Bosch process it. I know he was probably worried for Harry. You know, it was, it was a really tough, emotional, tense situation, but I think it was more of him, a matter of him giving him time to com- make to complete the conversation the way he wanted to end it with Walker. So that's my opinion. How about you, Jay? I agree. I agree. Same thing. Um, uh, I, I I think it was for that closure. Now, if on the flip side that Harry had done something crazy in that aspect with Pete's scenario, I do think mm-hmm. Jay Edgar would have done the noble and honest thing and reported what he saw. Um, mm-hmm. I think in that situation, you have to. Uh, it doesn't yeah. matter personal relationship, personal feelings, or even understanding of the situation. I think you have to, and I believe Jay Edgar would. Um, well, and, and I also. Talked, do you remember? Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but do you remember okay. when we talked to Jamie Hector? He talked about his character and how how serious he was about yeah. being a police officer and you know and doing the right thing and justice even when it's hard. So mm-hmm. that that remind that makes me go along with what you're thinking there too because that's how he described his character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and again just just to be clear I I agree with you too. I don't think Harry would have done that. Harry's only going to shoot him when actually provoked in a in a danger my life or his kind of way. Yeah. 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 Okay. So now that we've spilled our opinions, Pete, has yours changed or you still just go what, what do you think? Oh, about the question? Yeah, have we changed your mind oh, at all about what you think was going well, on? Or? Here's the thing. At first, I was like, you know, in the beginning of the season and over the course of the last few seasons, I would have said there's no way, you know, Jay Edgar would ever, you know, cover up for anybody because he's, you know, he's a noble, honest, hardworking guy. However, mm-hmm. in this episode, we do find out that in the past, he wasn't exactly noble and honest in his relationship and his marriage. Well, you know, fair. So yeah. I, I, it did bring the question up. It, it did question mm-hmm. just for a second, like, you know, and, and Bosch is his brother. So why wouldn't he, you know, like, I feel like it was, a, I felt like it was a really, you know, Bosch would have to kill Walker in just, you know, complete sa- insanity of I hate you, you know, boom. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I feel like put in the spot. You know, I don't. I don't know what Jago would do, and the only reason why I say I don't know what he'd do is because, like I said, his brothers were Bosch, and he has a little bit of a you know a history now in the past, and you know who knows if he takes one thing more seriously than the other. But it did raise the question for me, so I had to ask you guys. Yeah, had to ask it. Okay, all right. Did you have one for us, Jay? Just a quick one. How much do you think we'll see Maddie in the next season since she's going to be potentially away mm-hmm. at college? Um. I hope we see her just as much. I don't know the distance with Chapman. I know we hear about it in the books. I think it's a couple hours maybe because it seems like in the books, Harry's able to like meet her for lunch occasionally and stuff. Um, so I think it's feasible from, at least from what I've read in the books that 
she can still be um, involved. Um, but it, it won't be the day in, day out of her sort of taking right. care of Harry and making sure he has his breakfast and things like that. So it, it, <laughs> I'm excited to see right. what the dynamic will be. I'm hoping she will be in the episodes in the season just as much, but I'm anxious to see what her um, role will be um, in the storytelling because, yeah, she won't be there to just be that nurturing person day to day. So what do you think, Pete? Um. I, I think Maddie's a great kid. I really do. From watching this season and seeing her grow over the course of, of the time, I really think she's a great kid. Um, not too many people know how to read Bosch properly. I feel like, you know, Jay Edgar, mm-hmm. Phyllis, Madison are all, you know, they all can read, you know, they can read the Bosch book. But Madison, because she's the Madeline. Daughter, it's Madeline. Madeline, I'm sorry. Madeline I know it's because hard because she's, she's Madison in real life. But yeah, yes, Madeline. Yeah. Um, because, because she's a daughter, she gets away with extra things, and you see the way she's able to play Bosch, so to speak. Like she oh, just knows yeah. what to say to she knows what to say to Harry to just get him to be like okay. Like even when she told the story, like oh, I found it already, but I didn't use it because you know I don't want you to get mad. But detective work, like she found the way yeah. to get oh, like to show like how great of a kid you are all at once. Just hit every notch. Um, I really yeah. hope there's a big part for her next season because yeah. we need more of her. She's very charismatic, and I just want to see more. More Maddie. More Maddie. All right, we're putting that out there. Okay. All right, well, Jay, what, how much do you think she's going to be in there? That was your question. I mean, I, you know, obviously I don't know. I just wanted to hear what you guys thought, and I agree <laughs> with you. I hope we see her just as much. Uh, it will be interesting to see what we see and what her role is, because um, I really do like Maddie, the character, and Madison, the actress. So, no, I, I hope that uh, we do get to see her just as much, and it'll be interesting okay. to see how it goes. Awesome. All right. I think we're going to forgo evidence locker this week because we, you know, we have wrapped up we solved um, the crime. Yeah. <laughs> we solved the crimes like as if we've done it ourselves, you know, it's so funny. Um, but let's talk for person of interest. And um, I want to get to our debrief so we don't have to spend too much time on it. But instead of picking your person of interest in this episode, we need to go back to before the season aired and we oh. each selected we I each selected a person from the trailer from watching yes, the trailer. Yes, we did. We yes, each selected we a person did. that we thought would be pivotal in the season. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. if anyone would like to volunteer to go first to I say do. who they picked. Okay. I, I volunteer. I picked two people. You remember what two people I picked? I only remember I one. I remember you I remember you picking nope. Terry Drake and you didn't even know I, his name. I, Nope, but, <laughs> you're you're wrong. You're wrong. I went back and listened today. I went back you and did? I listened today. Oh, I absolutely went back to listen today because I knew I nailed this. I mentioned two people. I actually I talked about my top three and a half people. Uh, three and a oh, hard well, time about my half. But I noticed my top people, two. He said. My sort of top two was was Terry Drake, and my second pick. I didn't use his name. I called him the jerk because I refused to use his name, but oh, the jerk yeah. was Bradley Walker. So I had Ooh. Terry Drake, oh. Bradley Walker, and <laughs> Jay Welliver B. Titus the third drops the mic. Boom. <laughs> did you add a oh, oh J for J A Y? I was like, did you add J Edgar into your name now? He's <laughs> <laughs> adding names. He's adding persons of interest. He's just doing everything. He's he's only stop, stop rolling my mic drop. Darn it! <laughs> I still heard it drop. Good job. That those were some good picks, Jay. Uh, I gotta 
round of applause for Jay. That was those were good. All right, shall I go next, Pete, or do you want to go? Um, honestly, I don't remember a thousand percent who I picked. I mean, I could probably <laughs> guess one or two names of who I picked, but I don't remember who the exact person. All right, was. well, Jay, well over B. Titus the third. You you listened. Who did um, Pete pick? I didn't listen to Pete's pick. I was too excited oh. listening to my own. Sorry. <laughs> Think, it's a true statement. You, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I think you picked Jay Edgar, probably just because you're so team Jay Edgar. Um, yeah. If that was the case, that would be a solid pick. But uh, yeah, let's go with that because I'm pretty sure. I thought that I, I, I could have sworn that I probably picked like Reggie or KT, KTK. So I was like, this ain't gonna end well for me. Oh, maybe you did. Maybe you did. We did talk about oh, Reggie at some point. You know what? Know. Yep. It might have been Reggie, actually. I yep. think it was Reggie. I heard Jay Edgar. I heard Jay Edgar. I seen somebody I would pick, you know, Captain said so. <laughs> I think it was Reggie. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's a good pick, too. I mean, he had a lot. It, it, he didn't have a big presence in the season, but uh, it was an important part for sure. I mean, had, yeah, so... All right, I picked Eleanor. I think that's a pretty good pick. I mean, that changed the canvas. That changed the canvas of of the season, and it had a lot to do with the relationship, the partnership between um, J. Edgar and and Harry. You know, it sort of forced um, their hand a little bit into getting back into their partnership and remembering what's you know really important to them. So it was a very sad part of the season, but um, I'm going to stand by my pick. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. All right. Um, We talked, we we had some uh, feedback from at just a teacher, but, but one of the main things, you know, we already talked about with how she noticed uh, J Edgar back there getting that phone. So thanks again for all your feedback always at just a teacher, but we want to get into our debrief with detectives Mitzi Roberts and Tim Marsha, who are also technical consultants on the Bosch Amazon series. So, without further ado, here they are. Thank you so much for doing this. And I wanted to to tell you from the outset, you know, it's been really a pleasure for Jay and I talking to some of the different cast members and actors, but when the idea of talking to you all is like talking to a character in your favorite book. So it's really exciting. I I don't know if you ever think of it that way, but it's one thing just to speak with an actor who plays the character, and then you're like, well, this person is actually like one of the characters in the book so or or the show. So we're really excited that we get this opportunity. Wow, I've never heard of I, I've never heard it put that way, and uh, I think that's that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I, I really do feel that way. So um, if you can take just a minute to introduce yourself and your your rank and maybe not like your whole career path, but just kind of how you worked up to where you are, and um, then we'll get into some more specifics about the show. Go ahead, Ben. You, okay. Yeah, I'm Missy Roberts. Uh, I'm a detective uh, with LAPD. I work Robbery Homicide Division. Uh, Tim Marsh is my partner. I've been uh, I've been with the LAPD for a little over 23 years, and I've been a detective for about 18 years, and I've been at Robbery mm-hmm. Homicide Division for 
uh, about 13 years. And um, I did, when I came on the department, I always knew, it, I always um, kind of jokingly say that I wanted to be, I always wanted to be a forensic psychologist because I have no clue what a forensic psychologist does, but I always <laughs> thought that they probably got to speak with serial killers, and that's what I wanted okay. to do. <laughs> So, okay. uh, so I thought I wanted to be that, and uh, but then I just happened to meet a couple of LAPD officers that said, "Oh, you should be a cop, and you might like it." And I said, "Well, do I get to speak to you know murderers?" And they said, "Well, if you if you become a detective and work homicide." So I was like, um, "That's what I'm going to do." So okay. yeah, as soon as I was able to do that, I um, I did that, and I've been doing it ever since. Wow. Okay. How about you, Sam? So, uh, my name's Tim Marsha, and I am a, what is considered a Detective 3, which is um, the highest ranked detective in the LAPD. And okay. I, I work robbery homicide, and obviously, Missy Roberts is my partner. Yeah. I've been, on, I've been working LAPD since 1986, so I have 32 years on the job. Wow. And will be my 21st year of investigating homicide. And okay. I grew up, I grew up in the Los Angeles area, and mm-hmm. at age six, um, I was my dad and I were in a uh, group called Indian Guides, and mm-hmm. it was a father son organization. And they took me, they took our group to uh, West Los Angeles police op, uh, police station, and uh-huh. showed us. Um, around the station, and then they showed us a um, episode of Adam Twelve, and I was hooked. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Then, okay. And then the week after that, um, they took us to the fire department, and mm-hmm. my best friend at that time, and we remained friends all the way through high school and into college. Um, he walked out and said, "I'm going to be a fireman," and he actually graduated the fire department six months before I graduated the police department. Oh, so, wow. Just one of those things. It was a career goal. Yeah. And then as far as working uh, homicide, it kind of found me. I always thought I was going to be a uniformed cop. My goal was to be a canine officer. Um, okay. But homicide investigations just kind of found me, and I fell in love with it, just like okay. with what Mitchie was saying. <laughs> and you all been partners for how long? Oh, gosh. Off and on. Oh, sweet. And we've been saying ten years, but it's probably more like now. It's probably we've probably off and on been partners for about twelve years. I would say, wouldn't you say, Timmy? Yeah. Yep. I mean, the majority, but really, yeah. like working together as a part as partners, about ten years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, for for the book readers and the folks who watch the show, we're not always well versed in the hierarchies and the acronyms and so forth. So, can you? Explain and you have to do a lot of Googling. Um, so can you explain the differences between when you say you're RHD versus Harry's detective role in the series? Is he, I believe he's a D3. Is that right? And then the pet. Yep. So yep. is RHD like an add-on or tell me more so, about that? So I'll take this one only because I'll make it short and Tim will make it long. <laughs> <laughs> right, Timmy? And Timmy can yep. take whatever the next question is. Basically, RHD, Robbery Homicide Division, is what it stands for, and it's a right. specialized division downtown Los Angeles. Um, some people refer to it as in 
an elite division. Um, mm-hmm. Tim and I, Tim and I really don't like that, but that's just um, uh, some okay. people do refer to it as that. But we do have some of the very best detectives that work there. And um, as as opposed to where Harry works, he works at one of our geographical divisions. And okay. um, we're, we we fudged it a little on the show, but um, mm-hmm. in season one, it was correct. Uh, Hollywood Homicide, uh, Hollywood Division did have a homicide unit, but since okay. the show, um, they've sort of uh, banded them into bureaus, and they work out of the different. There's there's four different bureaus oh, okay. within the city, and they and they um, and they made it a, a bureau. Um, homicide unit, but we still kept Harry just at Hollywood because it follows mm-hmm. Michael's books and stuff. But right. at, at RHT, um, as we'll usually take um, basically the the cases that will tap the resources of the division. So high profile cases, your OJ's, mm-hmm. Robert Blake's, um, mm-hmm. murders of police officers, assaults on police officers. We have. Um, also different units within RHD. We have a, a rape unit. We have a robbery unit. We have a cold case unit, a gang unit, and a, and a special surveillance unit. So we have about 100 detectives. And what's unique about RHD is that when a, when a big or I shouldn't say big or important because all homicides are big and important, but when one that's really sort of caught the eye in the media and right. the attention of the media, we have the manpower that we can throw 75 100 detectives onto mm. a case over a weekend okay. and in order to try and solve it by Monday where the divisions can't really do that you know so um right. so that's that's the main the main okay. difference did i miss okay. something tim yeah i could answer it in three words so uh, <laughs> go ahead <laughs> no i'm just teasing that's a good answer oh. <laughs> so I think I understood this from, from you, um, from what you just shared, because it was going to be another question about RHD being specific to divisions or associated only with LAPD as a whole. And so it sounds like there's one RHD group of detectives, right? They're covering the entire city. So, yeah. if, okay. so if there's a homicide in the Valley that um, for some reason is just um, the media has attacked has attached to it that's involving maybe a, mm-hmm. a high-profile name or something, mm-hmm. then it might it might come down to us. But, yeah, so we have citywide jurisdiction. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd love to hear how you got involved with the show and what types of things you do that you advise them on. You want me to start on the first part of this and then you could yeah. take the second? Yep. Oh. Yep. Go ahead. So mm-hmm. our, our involvement in the show actually um, started well before the show even um, was picked up, uh, okay. and it, it really relates to Michael's book. So mm-hmm. my relationship with Michael goes well back probably about 15 to 16 years ago, and okay. we kind of had an interesting connection um, meetup, and during that meetup, uh, we developed a friendship, and then he asked me to start reviewing his books for the technical accuracy. And then okay. around, shortly thereafter, um, a few years after that, uh, Mitzi and I truly became partners. And so we kind of brought her on on board. 
Mm-hmm. And it was just a natural fit to um, do what we do for the book to do what we do for the television series. Okay, okay. Great. And so as far as sort of what we what we do in the series, um, as you know, just if, from, if you're a Michael Connelly fan and you read his book, <laughs> yes. you know, um, the city of Los Angeles is very much a character. And it yes. was all—it was from the beginning, even before anybody picked Bosch up or Amazon picked Bosch up. It was important mm-hmm. to, to Michael for the technical aspects of police work, as much as it could be, um, at least police work with the LAPD, to be technically correct. And okay. um, you know, so if it takes two years to solve a homicide in that specific story, then that's how long it was going to take in the story. And it wasn't going mm. to be sort of like a CSI where by, you know, it's an hour show and by the end of the show, right. it's solved. That's and that's so, okay. um, so when the show was being developed, it was, I mean, luckily for us, Michael wanted us obviously to be a part of that mm-hmm. process. So Tim and I will go in and we'll work with the writers in the writer's room um, even before we start shooting on just the scripts, um, sharing ideas, sharing stories, um, trying to help them get things technically right without being boring (laughs) because police work can Mm -hmm. be boring. And then uh, once the scripts are written, you know, then we'll, when needed on set for technical type homicide scenes or tactical scenes, um, Tim and I will go in and help on those also. Okay. Okay, great. Now, would we ever catch you on camera? Because Amy told us that actual law enforcement are in some scenes when you're when they're at the station, outside the station, for instance. So each of us have been, um, whether we like it or not, have um, <laughs> <laughs> been um, both uh, having speaking roles and um, be, uh background scenes. Okay. I don't think so. For me, I don't, uh, I have more of a face radio or podcast. <laughs> Not uh, true. <laughs> but uh, the one thing that, well, you know, Mitzi and I really love about the show is that their dedication to get it right. And so mm-hmm. it's very first, when we were doing the pilot, um, we made a suggestion that for certain tactical scenes or crime scenes that we would mm-hmm. um, bring in real police officers to work the background. Mm-hmm. And okay. there's just yeah. a certain presence about uh, how a real police officer stands, how he would approach something. Uh-huh. Um, there's the, both the mental and the physical that translates onto the screen and makes the Bosch show very unique in that. And for the directors, they love it because they don't have to spend 20 minutes with a background actor. Um, mm-hmm. They have a real cop there. And it's, right. it seems like there's a seamless transition there that uh, oh. everybody benefits from. And the, and the police officers at LACD have really taken to the show. They feel like they're part of the family. And so it's a win-win situation for everybody. Okay. Well, now I know who I'm looking for on my next rewatch. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I always say, yeah, Tim, Tim and I always laugh because um, I, I I forget what, uh, I think it was season one, episode three or something. Um, mm-hmm. So they, in the books, you know, there's a character, Kiz Ryder, and 
Shit. It hadn't been cast yet, but it was Eric Overmeyer had written this specific script, and um, we were at a production meeting, and he came up to Tim and I after, and he said, oh, Missy, by the way, we haven't cast his writer yet, but <laughs> you're going to go ahead and you're just going to do that scene. Me, I, you know, I'm not an actress, and I said, oh, I said, okay, well, how hard could this be, right? I don't even look at. I, I mean, Tim and I had read the through the scripts and we review them and stuff, but I didn't really pay attention to it, and I didn't pick it up till really the night before. And there was literally like a half a page of dialogue, and I went, "Oh my god, I am in big, big trouble." And um, it, I gotta say, for 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 a cop, and I think Tim would kind of agree. I mean, I would rather you stick me in a closet with a serial killer than make me go on camera like that again. It is horrifying <laughs> to get in front of a camera and to say somebody else's words and words you wouldn't really say and to mess uh-huh. up and know that you're messing up and you're with professional actors and you're you're stalling them and it's 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 frightening. So um it's not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if it's Tim's either, but it's, but we have done a really good job because otherwise I would have, you know, said, who was that lady that really didn't sound like a cop or something? (laughs) It was obviously seamlessly done. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Well, are there any things that you cannot advise them on? Like as a matter of public safety or crime solving techniques, is there a, like a, a line you have to draw? Um, yeah, and Tim and I talk about this all the time, and Tim can probably hold that. You, uh, most of it is has to do with um, – how would you explain it, Tim? Um has to do with maybe investigative techniques that we have at our disposal um, mm-hmm. to get maybe suspects to cop out or to, mm-hmm. you know, to try and strengthen your case that you really don't want the general public um, and, i.e., suspects, <laughs> to be aware right. of. Okay. And mm-hmm. so things like that, we'll, we don't divulge stuff like that. And Tim, you could probably think okay. of some other stuff. but uh. Yeah, I mean, it's – here's one thing that's really cool about the writer's room on Bosch is that over, you know, the past, last five seasons, there's not only a, a team environment there – we've become very close friends with all the writers and they understand our situation that we're in. And Mm -hmm. when you go into the writer's room and when we're invited in um, to participate in these things, we can, I guess the best way to put it is that's um, an area where we can discuss anything that we want to discuss. But if we feel later on that saying that we're, we're sharing this, but can't use it. They okay. Respect okay. Us and they and they don't do it. But by yeah. by having that environment, we can kind of educate them on the things that we do, um, okay. or things that we say, or how we approach certain situations. That mm-hmm. although they can't use it um, in one manner, like how we're telling them, it creates a, uh, I guess an overall that they can sneak off and, and try to get a, an eighth of what we're telling them into the okay. story. Okay. And so I, I think it just really helps them. Okay. That's interesting. Now, I know when I'm immersed in a new season of Bosch, you know, and you're in that, that binge part, um, I like to think that I'm maybe more observant of my surroundings. You know, you kind of kind of like, oh, I'm going to be like 
Harry or Grace or whatever, you know. And it, it also really raises my awareness of the sacrifices that, that law enforcement make, you know, for our safety. What kinds of other things do you hear from fans about how the show impacts them? Do you get some feedback? Well, I think, I mean, for Tim and I, just because, I mean, obviously we get, uh, uh, it's very rare we get negative feedback because, I mean, I think it's, uh, I mean, a lot of people just don't want to come up and give you negative feedback. We get a lot of feed, uh, positive feedback, not only because it's just a great show and it's done mm-hmm. well, but just because, um, you know, we're surrounded by cops. But for Tim and I, I think the greatest compliment we can get as far as our participation in the show is mm-hmm. when other cops or district attorneys or anybody in the law enforcement arena comes up to us and says, oh, my God, I watched that show and it's great, or they get it right, or they – for us, that's the that's the biggest compliment to okay. get a, yeah, you know, to be told, like, they get it right. Yeah, they get it yeah. right. It's, you know, I, I love that show. I, you know, I recommended it to my family or whatever. That, that's to me. Um, okay. That's great. I, I like see a lot of that out there on social media. So, it, yeah, that's. Yeah, when cops don't, when cops don't like a show, they <laughs> will <laughs> rip it apart okay. on social media. Okay. I mean, rip it apart and you. Thank God. I mean, if you look like the, if you look at the Amazon reviews and you look at some mm-hmm. of the Bosch social media sites, the um, police officers really, really love the show, and so that's a that's a huge yeah. compliment to not only Michael and the character that he's created and the um, that he wants to get it right, but also to to what Tim and I are allowed to do on the show. And okay. that and that really goes back to um, how Michael became, you know, a novelist, you know, he mm-hmm. came up through uh, being a crime reporter. And so right. to be a good crime reporter, you're very much like a police officer. You have to observe things. You have to learn how to talk to mm-hmm. people. So there there was a respect that he had for law enforcement, um, but okay. he wasn't afraid to report on law enforcement, but he had a respect. And yeah. uh, I think when it carried over into the show, the – production crew has a lot of respect for law enforcement. And the way I like to put it is if you're watching a medical show and you're a doctor and you see the doctor on the screen using a hand drill from the garage to do brain <laughs> surgery, that's probably just you up a little bit. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. With law enforcement. So it's, it's our goal collectively as everybody on the show is to, if you make the cops happy that watch the show, you're pretty yeah. uh, got a good chance to please everybody else also. Right. Okay, that's very insightful. Well, what do you think in general of people's fascination with crime solving stories and books and on T V? Like is it a good thing or are there any drawbacks? Go ahead, Miss. Uh, you mean as far as just with the show and specifically or uh just just in the general public, you know, like people being fascinated with your job and and how you oh. solve—is it always a good thing, or is it? Could it ever be bad in well, ways that? Well, I can say that um, for the most part, you know, I think it's it's a good thing for people to be interested in in crime and what goes on in their mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. community and things like that. But um, Tim and I both have assigned to us the Black Dahlia, <laughs> and oh. so 
we get to see the extreme that that goes to the you okay. know the the sort of internet crime solvers that want to solve that crime, but they're but some individuals go almost to a fanatic um, okay. point where it's no longer helpful and it's it's actually a hindrance to okay. detectives okay. because. You don't have time to be talking to these people all the time about, you know, a case that's 70 years old or whatnot. And um, so, yes, for the most part, I think it's great for the public to be involved and to want to be involved in what's in their community mm-hmm. and to have an interest. And But there are rare occasions where it can be a, a hindrance. Okay, sure. Okay. There's well, a, we, yeah, go oh, ahead, okay. please. No, I was just going to say, to kind of uh, follow up with what Mitzi was saying, there's, yeah. um, with, have you ever heard of the CSI effect? I'm sure you, you have, but um, yeah. the CSI effect, uh-huh. it, it has changed not so much how law enforcement does their investigations, but it has affected um, how cases are prosecuted and what the expectations of jury. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, okay. And that kind of goes back again to the realism that we try to portray on Bosch. If it takes um, three or four days to get fingerprint back from a database, they try to incorporate mm-hmm. that show rather than at the next commercial break in uh-huh. some of these other shows. They not only have the, uh, the fingerprints of the suspect, but they've got the guy's DNA profile and his right. You know, everything. So okay. that's a big thing, too. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, we know that Renee Ballard is inspired by Mitzi. So what about you, Tim? Is there any character that's modeled after you or one you can relate most to? Beryl. I think it's Beryl. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's not a bad choice. I really love <laughs> No, Beryl's a great character, but Tim is much younger. <laughs> yes. uh, no, I don't think so. Um, okay. You know, I um, people people will come up to me because they know my relationship with Michael. Um, mm-hmm. And they'll say, you know, oh, Tim's the real Harry Bosch. And I put a stop to that as quickly as possible because Harry Bosch is a creation of that was created, a character that was created by Michael. And it's not mm-hmm. based on in person. And I would never, ever want to take, um, you know, Harry's identity um, that Michael had created away. And, you mm-hmm. know, so that's the one thing. Whenever I hear that, I put a stop to it right away. I think that Michael learned from myself. He learned from Missy and all the other police officers and detectives that he knows. And he creates these characters in his head. So, um, okay. To answer your question, no, not one specific character. Okay, okay. Um, well, the tall the sheriff, the tall sheriff, Tim. The yeah, but sheriff. that's because the only reason the tall sheriff, <laughs> the real actor didn't show up that day. <laughs> Tim plays the tall sheriff in like okay. I think it was season one or something, and I think that's what they call you, right? The tall sheriff, Tim. Yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. You got that part nailed, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, this is just a fun question, so obviously there's no right or wrong answer. Um, obviously, the boss test does a very convincing job of, of, of portraying law enforcement. But in real life, if they were not actors, 
Which ones of them do you think have the personality and skill set most conducive to law enforcement? Oh, Titus. 100%. Okay. Okay. That's my guess, Titus. I mean, Titus could do it, 100%. Well, you know what's interesting on that? Um, God, Titus, without a doubt, the the crossover, he would be – he is definitely old-school homicide. No question. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. But – uh, Jamie, he definitely, yeah. I, I, I went on a couple ride-alongs with him and drove him around. His observational skills, in, you know, outside of the show, when we're driving around in a police car. Sure, right. He, he definitely, and he has a, um, a passion for for people and a respect. And all the things that I used to look for in a when I was a training officer that I would look in, uh, look for in a recruit was how are you going to treat people? And I love the way Jamie just has so much respect. So I could see him being a great patrol officer and then okay. becoming a detective. And, you know, I can see, I mean, Amy has that, the, she like absorbs and wants that knowledge and, and is okay. really like, and is really into it. Uh-huh. I don't know how I don't know how much she would like to cruise down a dark alley at night or something. I, I mean, mm-hmm. Tim and I. It was mm-hmm. funny. We uh, we were messing around with her a little bit. We came to take her on a little ride along through the neighborhood, and we ended up getting flagged down and having to handle this case with oh, okay. uh, with Amy in the car. And yeah. uh, so we're driving down this dark alley, and Amy was sitting next to me. And Tim was in the back with with a victim, actually. Okay. And Amy's kind of like, well, uh, you know, it's a little uncomfortable. It's dark and it's sure. an alley. And I looked over at her and I I I didn't take out my gun, but I I unhust I unholstered it and I said, "Here, Amy, hold this, and if you have to use it, just go for it." And she <laughs> and she thought I was serious, and she looked at me like, "Are she?" She kind of said like, oh, okay, and I went, I'm uh-huh. <laughs> but it was, yeah, yeah. but Tim and I were cracking up because the she just the look on her face yeah. in that in that second, like, okay, am I really yeah. gonna have to use this gun coming around this corner? So it was funny. Right. I, she actually I, entertained the thought. That she yeah, she was that. like, okay, yeah. she's telling me to do it. I, I guess I'll do it. But it was. But it she was also funny. helped us. She helped us on that case um, because. Um, remember, oh. we had a difficulty uh, speaking Spanish with this guy. And she and speaks Spanish. Spanish. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's a very but, valuable resource. And you know, there's, well, I mean, it's funny sitting here listening and, and digesting that question. I can go straight down the line of our cast. All of us. Being cast. Wow. Like DJ. DJ. Um, yeah. DJ's great. He, uh-huh. He's another guy. It's like everything that you would, that I would want in a, uh, probationer that I would want to train to be a real cop. Uh-huh. DJ's got all those characteristics. And oh, great. Yeah. Just kind of go down the line. They did such a great job with the casting, and mm-hmm. um, they all have the ability. And let's face it, it's not that hard to be a cop. The first thing you have to do is just respect. Oh. You have a brain. Really. I don't know. You have to have a brain. You have to have a brain, but, I mean, you just have to have a respect for people and that you want to help people. And everybody, you know, if you ask me in a perfect world, every citizen would have those 
you know, characteristics in sure. that, those desires. You would hope. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that that's some definitely some fascinating intel there. So, <laughs> well, um, I just want you guys to know that you know, we've had like a debrief on every podcast episode one. We've covered one episode a week. So we're including um, your debrief, this discussion on the finale. So I just want you to know oh. that makes you extra special. That's the culmination <laughs> um, of the season, and we're going to include your input. So it, we really do appreciate it and are fascinated awesome. by your work. And just honored that you take some time with me. Um, that means a lot. Well, uh, keep up the great work. <laughs> well, you know, I, I got to say that uh, I think, at, well, first of all, I think this season was by far the best season that we've had. And I think mm-hmm. Titus and just Titus is a phenomenal actress and actress, actor anyways, <laughs> but he just like, oh, my God, some of the scenes, um, yeah. you know, you, I just want to cry. But that closing <laughs> scene, since we're debriefing mm-hmm. episode 10, that yeah. closing scene, and um, from what Tim and I were told, Titus um, chose that song, Farewell, um, by okay. a, 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 a female. I guess she's normally a comedian, but she also sings. And okay. and it's like such a moving song. And as Tim and Maddie yeah. are, you know, walking off in the desert, that I mm-hmm. just, I think that just, it was shot just so beautifully. And the song is so beautiful and just wrapped up the season so nicely. So, that was actually my favorite scene in my favorite episode. So okay. it's fitting yeah, that you let us debrief that one. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, and we, and I can tell you that um, I kind of stumbled onto your podcast uh, last season, I think it was, and have become a, a regular listener. And it's great to hear oh, your guys' feedback um, because when, when we hear your feedback, we go back into the uh, the writer's room and share what you guys are saying or what your yeah. listeners are saying. Oh, and, wow. Wow, um, that's it's, exciting. Can you tell them of, how little we understand sometimes about police work? <laughs> well, and, you know, it's good to know because yeah, it, yeah, if we can explain it, yeah. it better, then the mm-hmm. average viewer becomes involved in the show. And we're, you know, we're trying to build a product that everybody enjoys. And so the communication is great and we appreciate all your listeners um, following the show. But, but if we, but if we get to come, if we get to come back next season to do a debrief or something, I want to play that game, the game we play, who would rather, who, who would do this? Cause that, that is one of my favorite parts of your podcast. I think it's so fun. Jay is the master of coming up with those scenarios. I kind of came up with the game, and I threw out a couple of scenarios. They were kind of interesting, but then he just is off the charts with these crazy scenarios. Yeah, so, it's great. Yeah, it's really fun. Kind of, it's really fun. Yeah, him on board for that. So we'll we'll make a very special edition of the game for you for season five, definitely. Excellent. I'm going to excellent. So, well, this is fantastic. Thank you so much, and we just appreciate all that you do. And oh, thank you. All right. Take care. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Okay, guys. How awesome are Mitzi and Tim? I mean, come on. They're just fantastic, right? Amazing. Amazing. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. 
Um, we joke around with our nicknames and stuff, but this is the real deal out there, and nothing mm-hmm. but respect for them. You know, yep. we come up with these nicknames out of respect, and I, I really, I feel bad. She really wanted a game night. I think you have to like, you know, before season five, get them back on for like a special game night just for them. Hang, hang tight, there you go. hang like, tight, hang about. tight. Just <laughs> hit the brakes. All right, listen up, listen up. <laughs> okay. I have some other things to say about this interview too, but since you brought that up, I had something yes. planned for this. Okay. All right. Listen, detectives, because I know you're checking this out, right? I know you're not here. I know you're not here to play the game. I have one question for you that I will throw out to you, okay? If you answer correctly, which I know that you will, okay, we will definitely get this game night planned. Here's your question. If, if, let's say either of you were out sick one day, you know, whatever, and you needed a fill-in partner, which of the following would you choose as your fill-in partner? You can submit your answers to J, J-A-Y, at so many shows.com. Okay, <laughs> J, so many shows.com. So who would you pick as your fill-in partner? Which, which one of these three people would make the perfect fill-in detective? Would it be Tracy? Would it be Pete? Or would it be J? <laughs> Or Welliver B. Titus the Third, whichever name you decide to choose. Either one is fine. So there's your first game question. I know it's a tough one. And I know there's really no right or wrong answers, but there actually is a right answer to this one. So again, go ahead. Shoot me an email. Jay okay. with your answer. All right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna supplement that with um, detectives. There is no right or wrong answer, but there can only be one answer. You can only submit one name. Correct. You can't yeah, say, correct. "Oh, I want all of them." Or yeah, yep, you, gotta, you, can you can only pick, pick one. one. There are rules. So are rules. yeah, I mean, Think detectives have to make hard decisions the all the time. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That's Sorry. good. That's Sorry. good. Sorry. Yeah. Well, thank <clears> you for for throwing that in there. I, um. There's there's the beginnings of a game right there, That's and right. Yep. we can we can go further from there. But just huge props to those two for for sharing with us and spending time with us, and just all they do to help make the show even richer. And um, their collaboration with Michael Conley, it's just wow! It's it just works. Yeah, it just really yeah. works. Yeah. So, and if I can throw in a, a serious uh, point here. Although of course. the game question was serious too. Um, <laughs> you, obviously, uh, you guys know that I'm pro law enforcement. My brother has been in law enforcement forever, and he's just mm-hmm. one heck of an amazing dude. So I am definitely pro law enforcement. But something that I've really enjoyed about um, your interview with them, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, you're talking to two two badass LAPD detectives, man. And, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. what were they? They were like 23 years and 32 years or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, holy moly. But they sounded like us. Just cool, normal people. Not, not scary or, mm-hmm. or mean or whatever. Just totally very, very cool people. And, and then on top of that, I'm a, like throughout the interview, they brought up how like to be a good police officer or detective. It's about those people skills. Yeah. And I just thought that was super powerful, a great mm-hmm. message because, you know, police do get a bad yeah. rap, sometimes deserved, oftentimes mm-hmm. not. Um, but I just thought that that was what an awesome kind of message throughout that, 
they are people just like you and I doing one heck of a difficult job. And I just thought it was amazing that, you know, of all the qualities that you're looking for, obviously besides having a brain or being observant, um, Mm -hmm. it's about those people skills and being a people person and caring for people and wanting to do for people. Um, I cannot applaud that enough. Agree. Here, here. Definitely. All right. Well, we've got one more round of trivia from Officer Pete before we sign off for can, um, the podcast. I'm going to interrupt you one more time if I can. <laughs> like, oh, maybe I don't shut up. Maybe I do ramble. Do I have too a much. choice? Do I have a choice, Jay? Uh, let me check. Hey, does he have a choice? <laughs> nope, you don't have a choice. <laughs> Okay, uh, just and, and I know you guys are um, will agree 100% with this. Just a quick shout out to everybody there at Bosch and Amazon. Um, we've done so many interviews and got to talk to so many people, and you all have been gracious and amazing with your time. And mm-hmm. you know, it's fun to talk about a TV show like this on a podcast, but it's something altogether just a little bit more awesome to be able to talk to you guys that are behind this. And just get a feel for the people that you really are besides the actors that we see on TV. And mm-hmm. just from all of us here at the podcast, so many shows, thank you. You guys have been great. Mm-hmm. And thank big shout out to Allie at Amazon for helping to, uh, to set up all these. So that's been really, really awesome to work with. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very glad, Jay, that you interrupted me for that. That's very important, and um, I totally agree. Very appreciative. And we just look forward to bringing more interesting content next season. And in between, you know, like Pete mentioned, maybe a game night. Who knows? what mm-hmm. We might pop up here and there, even though we don't have a weekly episode review podcast uh, for, uh, for a while. Um, we're not going to disappear completely. So, that's right. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. All right. Now should we hit that trivia? Let's do it. Okay. I don't know. Is Jay going to interrupt me again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm done, dude. I'm done. I'm done. I think you're I got safe. got my piece out. All right. So a couple of quick side notes. Um, I just want to say I I couldn't even come up with a question for a game that quick, and Jay came up with one within three minutes. So congratulations, Jay. You're amazing with these game questions. Even though I'm supposed to be a trivia guy, I mean, come on. The second point that I wanted to bring up is that, yeah, you're right. Thank you, everybody at Bosch, because a lot of these characters that, you know, they, like I said, that I, call, I call them clowns to be nice. But a lot of these clown characters that we get to talk to, they're not the clown characters in real life. And you start to, you know, distinguish the difference in them. And you're like, all right, you know, I, I like this guy and I, I respect his role even more because he's really coming out of his shell to be a bad guy. And they could have wrote him in as a good guy just as easy. So, yeah, thank you, everybody, for allowing us to see the other side of these people and not just think they're clowns. <laughs> I had to get that off my chest. I'm sorry. I was thinking about that all day. Um, trivia time now. I tried to go very simple with the trivia, something that I believe everybody can get. I wanted to end it everything on a good note since we ended on a good note with the, with the series. Well, with the season, I'm sorry. Season five is coming soon. So the first question in trivia I have is when Bosch is looking at all of Elias' stuff on the table, and everybody's like, yes, I was definitely looking at that extra. The change that came out of the envelope added up to uh, a certain amount of change. What was the amount? Who wants to go okay. first? I want to answer this with, and I hate you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um okay, uh, I'm gonna say cents. 
68 cents. I'm, I'm going to say um, 31 cents. Okay, well, Jay's going to win by going the closest. The exact total that I counted was 66 cents. Oh, my mm. God. He was close with that. That's good. That's good. Good job, Jay. Okay. The last trivia question of the season, people. You ready? And this one, I actually made especially for Tracy, so she better get this right. No pressure. Oh, great. No pressure. (laughs) Yeah, there's no pressure in that. Dang. Sorry, Tracy. Now, you might... You might know this answer based on other parts of the season, so it's I'm cool with that too. On Billis's badge, what is her number? Oh God! <sighs> Seriously? Seriously? <laughs> it was it was a good. Um, I thought about you. That that you know. I think I about you. Your team Billis. You know. Uh, I thought you were going to ask me what kind of drink Laura Cook had in the coffee shop, which was a cappuccino. <laughs> oh, it was that's good. Too easy. <laughs> And it was That's really good. I mean, I'm embarrassed, guys. I don't even know how many digits are in the number. So if I tell you, would you guess? I'll guess. Probably sure. four. It's probably four. It's three. It's three. Oh, three. Thanks. She's been around for a while. Uh, two seven one. Three forty one. Oh wow! You know what? This is interesting because Tracy's closer, but Jay got the numbers right, so Jay's got to go. It's not the right order, but the number is 721. Oh, my God. I got to give I gotta give Jay the win. He's pretty good for stuff. Wow. <laughs> Jay has knocked it out of the park tonight. Oh, man. That is impressive. That's pretty All good, right. Jay. Not bad. Yeah. yeah. That just I'm means good. I have until season five to – really um, work on my trivia skills. and Well, Tracy, you did mention that we might have a possible uh, game night here or there. Okay. Well, maybe okay. I'll have a trivia night, you know, season okay. one trivia, season two yeah. trivia, you know. Never know. Let's see what happens. Okay, I've, maybe got I can that, I've got the flu that night. Yeah, I've got the flu that night. <laughs> <laughs> I feel oh, it already. Man. Well, this has been a lot of fun, and, and we'll be back one way or the other before season five uh, yeah. for some fun stuff. And just thanks again to all our guests. Thanks so much to all our listeners. Thank you to the yep. show. Thank you to my co-hosts. This is yeah. awesome. And yeah, uh, me and you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just signing off for now, but uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. That's right. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Later. See you.